0: Good morning, Storyline. It's so good to be together. Somebody sent me that video last week and said, I hope you're having a better week than this. And um, I didn't. So <laughs> I actually messed up my neck so bad this week. And I was dumb enough, and at my age, I, know, I should know better than this, I was dumb enough to sleep on it wrong. Gosh, I'm just getting to that age where you just never know like, what's going to happen, right? And so all week I'm walking around, I'm walking around like this. But I went to a massage therapist, and they asked me, you know, what's wrong? And I described how I hurt, how I hurt my neck, lifting a fallen tree off of a car that children <laughs> were trapped in. And um, so she presses on my right shoulder, and she goes, oh, wow. Oh, boy, there's something going on there. And I'm thinking, no, that's, that's not it at all. And then she pushed down my lower back. Oh, wow. She goes, that, there's something there. And I go, so finally, I just said, no, look, it's my neck. I, I have a pain in my neck. And she said, oh, no, you you have one big problem that's all connected. And, uh, which is exactly what my wife has been telling me for years. And so, anyways, her, um, when she said that, it made me think about uh, the passage that we're gonna look at this morning in our read through the book of John, and which brings us to chapter 13 this morning. And in this scene, uh, we're in a room with Jesus and his 12 closest friends, his disciples. And this is the last night for Jesus that he knows that he's going to be with his disciples before he's arrested and then tortured and killed. And he's aware of all this. And so Jesus is in this really peculiar place in this moment um, because this is like the most important thing that he has to say. He really wants to get across to them. As a teacher, I know this feeling very much. It's like exams are coming up the tension is high, and even the kids in a moment like that are really highly motivated, like, okay, you know, the, the, hundred, the other 180 days that we weren't paying attention, now we're really listening, like, what is it that you want us to know? And so, that's kind of what this scene is like. He's been, Jesus has been talking about his death, he's been talking about the end, and then it gets to this place where he's in an upper room, they're going to have dinner together, And um, actually what happens is Jesus being the master that he is, he's going to go beyond talking about what he wants them to get. He even says, I'm going to to show you what it is that I want you to, to get. And in doing so, I think in this demonstration, he's going to be showing them that they have one big problem, and it's all connected to everything in their life, everything in life, that is making it less than it could be. And so this is what the Bible says. Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash his disciples' feet. After washing their feet, he put on his robe and and said, Having given you an example to follow, go and do likewise. And now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So our question this morning is pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. What is Jesus showing us here? What is he showing us about what the full extent of love is? Now remember, his biggest concern here is having talked about love for the three years that he was with his disciples. He now wants to demonstrate it. I'm going to show you is what he's saying so that you will start living like this. Now, last week we said that Jesus always begins with belonging. And we see this so clearly in the disciples. It's, it's almost like he, they are purposely this group of people that we can look at and go, well, pff, they have absolutely no qualifications at all. Like, they, they have no business at all being able to follow Jesus or to be his disciples. So there's no entrance exam to following Jesus. But Jesus begins with belonging. Anyone who wants to follow him can and from belonging, they slowly move toward, very slowly, move into or toward believing or trusting in Jesus. And what we're going to see here t- this morning, I think, is the third leg of the stool, actually, which is becoming. Jesus is saying, watch this. Like it, it's time to move from belonging and believing and into becoming, from living in God's grace. To my way Becoming your way of life Or living out God's grace One of the ways that we put it So this living out God's grace Is described in multiple ways in the Bible There's lots of different passages That I could have chosen To kind of try to illustrate What does this look like To make the way of Jesus a way of life Or to live out the grace of God Okay, Um, But the one that I I looked at Is one that we looked at actually last winter When we were in the solarium When we went through the book of Galatians And it's this very short um, It's not even a passage It's a couple of lines Known as the fruit of the spirit and, and they are Love, joy, peace Patience, kindness Goodness, faithfulness Gentleness And self-control Living in and out God's grace Will become this In our lives Okay, so that's what we're gonna look at this morning of how do those things connect. So the first thing to notice in Jesus' demonstration of the full extent of his love is how important the fruit of the Spirit is. Now think about this. If we were to read this whole passage, because I pulled some verses out to condense it. If you were to read this whole passage, John, the writer, makes it very clear that Judas is in the room. Like Judas, the man who is about to betray Jesus, he was there. He was in this room. He heard and saw all of this. In fact, Judas was with Jesus for the three years leading up to this moment. And Judas had it all. Like he had every advantage, every resource one could ever hope for to get life right. You think about it this way. He had the best teacher anyone's ever had. He had the best preacher anyone's ever had the best training the best discipleship the best moral example he had the best small group anyone has ever had he had the best opportunities to care for other people he had all of that going for him and it's his life isn't changed the gospel of grace just it just didn't change judas his life did not bear the fruit of the spirit So, really, I think that kind of changes our question a little bit. Like, So, how do we know if Judas is in that situation? How do we know if God is active in our life? If we are openly accepting our acceptance and allowing God to work in us? Is it our spiritual knowledge? Well, I hope not, because Judas knew more. Is it how much time we spend listening to sermons and... And Jesus himself, well, hope not, because Judas did that more. (laughs) Do we look at how many lives God has changed through us? Well, the Bible says that Jesus' disciples went out and taught people, fed people, healed people. Judas certainly saw many lives touched through what he did. So if we're looking at those things, maybe we shouldn't be. The real test is, Is our life being changed? Is the fruit of the Spirit growing in us? Are we becoming more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, gentle, and self-controlled? Judas had power. Judas had knowledge. Judas had experience. But it wasn't changing him. It wasn't changing him. Now, the way I think about it would be like, would people who know me best say that I'm a better listener than I used to be? Years ago, I remember meeting with this woman, first time I met with her. And it, this was someone who would go on to become one of my best friends and a mentor of mine. And I thought I knew so much and I had so much to say, and I just. Let her have it, you know. And at the end of the meeting, she goes, Mike, you are not a very good listener. (laughs) And I couldn't believe it. And I ran home and told my wife. And Lisa said, I've been telling you that for years, but you haven't been listening. (laughs) Now, what would people who know us best say about us? Are we less controlling than we used to be? If we're like a gentle soul by nature, are we growing in our ability to confront when it's necessary? If, if we're naturally blunt, if that's just our personality, are we growing in our patience? Would our friends, would our spouse say that we're more gracious and open when we're critiqued or challenged, that we're more poised when we fail or our plans are frustrated? Please stop elbowing each other out there, okay? I can see all the, this going on. Look. The life that we were made from, the life that we were made for, which means the life that we long for, is one that's cultivated in the grace of God. And it produces a certain kind of very unusual results or fruit, if you will. It's not about how much we know or how correct we are or how right our views are about this, that, and the other issue or thing. It's about the full extent of love taking root in our life, and that looks like our character being changed, being transformed. That's the importance of the fruit of the Spirit. That's what Jesus is inviting us into becoming. More like that so th- And the second thing to notice I think Is the unity of the fruit of the spirit It's going to take me a second to get to this So hang with me on this one Okay Jesus could be demonstrating a lot of things here In this scene I mean it is a really unusual scene I mean I think we can all grant that So he could be demonstrating like humility and kindness He stripped down to a loincloth If you can imagine, which is the equivalent of of stripping down to your underwear. Loincloth. The way that you knew someone was a slave in the ancient world is that is what they wore. It's a big diaper wrapped around you, basically. And then, after stripping down to a loincloth, he got down on his knees and washed these men's feet. In spite of who he was. I mean, the humility the kindness, the gentleness he could be demonstrating. By the way, way, washing feet was so low, so menial in the ancient world that the Jewish rabbis taught, if you're rich enough to have a servant, if they're a Gentile servant, you can make them wash your feet. If they happen to be a Jewish servant, you can't even make them do that. Jewish servants are not allowed to wash feet. And this is why Jesus' disciples are totally shocked, absolutely stunned at this level of humility and gentleness and kindness. So Jesus could also be showing us basically, he could be showing us his faithfulness, right? That could be what he's demonstrating. Like, this isn't just amazing because he's serving in spite of who he is. It's incredible because of what he was Facing Does this ever happen to you? This happens to me all the time actually it happens to me every week You have a deadline approaching and it's something it's coming fast. It's something big. It's something important And as it gets closer, it's like, you know, it just it becomes the only thing that you can see We just become totally preoccupied with it You lose your peripheral vision because it just is sneaking up on you like this my family my poor wife my friends they know this about me. As Sunday approaches, you know, I check out more and more. Like, you know, on Monday, Sunday's way out here. And I'm like, it's this little thing, not the big a deal. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And it's like, it just runs me over like a bulldozer. I'm preoccupied, which means I'm less present for the people around me. It's a problem. It's not good. It's something I'm asking God to help me with. But when we're facing something difficult, we get tunnel vision, but not Jesus. It's incredible. I mean, how amazing is this? For him to be this present, this caring, this faithful to his friends. He he sees with everything he's facing, my friends have not had their feet washed. I'll do it. That it will be a comfort to them. In spite of the literal weight of the world, The fate of the world on his shoulders, Jesus sees and serves those around him. What incredible faithfulness. So faithful in spite of what he was facing. Jesus could also, in this scene, he could be demonstrating forgiveness and patience because it doesn't say that he just watched like 11 feet, 11 guys' feet, or 10 guys' feet because remember... You know, Judas is in there. It's been real easy to get to Judas and go, I don't think so. And then, you know, <laughs> I know you're about to give me up. Or to get to Peter, who later that night is gonna, is gonna abandon him. He didn't wash just 11 or 10 men's feet, he washed all 12. He washed all of their feet. So, so this demonstration of the full extent of love, it could be humility and kindness in spite of who he is. It could be faithfulness in spite of what he was facing. Or it could be forgiveness and patience in spite of who they were. So which is it? Which, you know, element, which fruit is it of the Spirit? And the answer is, it's all of them. Because they're one thing. And they're all connected. The word here is fruit of the Spirit. Not fruits Of the Spirit The fruit of God's Spirit Accepted and alive And growing in our life Has, I guess The the way I think about it is Multiple flavors To stay with the metaphor But it's one fruit In other words, we can't say about the fruit Of the Spirit in our life like, oh, yeah I'm pretty good at kindness Not so good at self-control Well then, no that's, that's not it. That isn't the fruit of the Spirit, that's just a personality trait of yours. See, if this list is just a list of separate, disconnected traits, we could all be naturally good at some of them and naturally bad at others. I might be self-controlled, but miserable. Like, no joy in my life at all. We all know people like this. We want them on our side to plan the party, we just don't want them at the party. Right, you know who you are.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, maybe me. All right. So, we, so the point is, we can manufacture by like sheer willpower some of these traits for short periods of time if we think we should. Like, oh, we should. I'm, I should do this, but that isn't love. That's actually just pride. It's looking at this list and going, oh, well, I'm, I should do that. I should do this. But this is not a should list. By the way, if we ever, ever get a church sign, that would be what's on it. Jesus will not should on you, okay? And you have to read it. You can't hear it. It doesn't sound good when you just hear it. Jesus will not should on you. That is not what this is, right? That is not what this is. The fruit of the Spirit isn't a to-do list. It's not a should list. The fruit is what blossoms in us and through us when god's spirit is growing in us these flavors become part of who we are they become part of who we are now i got this far this week and this talk and i'm like my gosh what this is hard this sounds like dang This sounds so hard, and if that's what you're hearing, I I need to, I'm reminding myself, and I'm reminding all of us, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying this is hard. I'm saying it's impossible. This is impossible for us to do, and that's why it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not characteristic traits of Mike or Lisa or Bob or Sally. The point is there is a unity in these flavors They they are connected. This is one fruit. And if, for example, the first fruit of love, if that's not what's animating your life, then patience could just be a form of mm, laziness or indifference, right? They work together. So if we're lacking in one of these, it's more than a trait that we're missing or something that we're just weak at. It's an indicator, it's a little yellow flag. Oh, somewhere, somehow, some way, the fruit of the Spirit is somehow not being nurtured within me. There's a kink somewhere, somehow, that's not, that, that it's not being cultivated, it's not being nurtured in me. I'm not allowing God all the access that he needs for that fruit, that holistic fruit to grow. This is part of what Jesus is showing us here. Now, all of this, we have to remember, again, I think the metaphor is picked very carefully. It's fruit, which means it grows over time. There is way too much magical thinking in religious circles. Like, oh, I believe this, and now, la-ta-da, you know, it's like everything is perfect, and that's just not what we're supposed to see here. We picked the name Storyline on purpose because our name implies the norm. The life of faith, everything we're talking about this morning here, everything we talk about every morning, is a process. It is a journey. It grows organically like fruit. It's an unfolding story, not an instantaneous state of being. So the life of Jesus is inviting us into, it's not magic, but it is all connected. Notice this. The full extent of Jesus' love here is not some miracle. I'm not saying it's not miraculous. It is. It is miraculous. But it's not a miracle. He did something everyone in that room had the physical capability to do. What made Jesus' love miraculous was not what he could do that we can't, But what he did do that we can, but don't. The big difference. So in spite of who he is, in spite of what he was facing, in spite of who we are, Jesus shows us the full extent of love by stripping down to his undergarments and kneeling to wash now if that is love if if that the only conclusion that i can come to is oh my goodness i have i am so far from being that kind of person i am in really deep need of much more than just a good teacher or some good advice or even a good role model i need like an intervention i need to be rescued I need to be radically transformed. Maybe what's holding me back, what ails humanity, is a lack of the full experience. <laughs> Another thing to consider about what Jesus is demonstrating here, I think, is just the nature of the fruit of love itself. When Jesus had one last chance to show his disciples what he wanted them to know, like to understand, to absorb, to carry forward, to become, he did not tell another story, he did not launch into another teaching. He didn't perform another miracle he washed feet think about that it's like he's saying that this is what I want to show you about what life is all about like why we're here what life is for and then he strips down to a holy cloth like a slave and knelt down, and washed feet. You have to take that in for a second. Because that is not anything that's probably ever happened. It's never happened to me. No one has ever said anything like that to me, or done anything like that for me. Can you imagine? Now imagine even like some guru, or speaker, or some famous author, or some leadership expert doing something like this? No way. Imagine a TED talk speaker or Tony Robbins or stripping down to their underwear and kneeling at people's feet and washing them No We all know it's never happened and we all know it's never going to happen This is unprecedented You cannot find an example of any teacher or master or leader of any movement doing this in all of ancient history This is it. There are no more examples of this. This is unheard of. This is revolutionary. And this is what God is like. It is almost more. It it is more than we can truly take in. Unbelievable. The full extent of love. This is what God is like. Two, two ideas two thoughts I want to share about the full extent of love and the first is that it's washing it's washing and to what it's, it's cleansing to wash is to clean and that is to imply that the status quo like isn't the best we can be like there is more there is higher there is better we have room to grow But here's the thing, here's the catch. To be able to ever say that to another person and have them receive that as love, we have to be so deeply connected to them that they know already that we love them. That they belong with us. They belong to us. And we belong with them. So that they believe us when we suggest we can do better we can get more out of life, and we can give more to it. Together. This is not a get your act together washing. This isn't like lobbing some soap at someone from afar and say, get your, you know, get cleaned up, and when you do, you know, come, come see me. It's not doing that, that from way outside of someone's real everyday life. That's not what love is. There is, there's way too much of that going on in this world. Everybody, everybody from all over the place has ideas about what would be best for me. They're shouting it from every channel and every newspaper and every culture and every religion. If that's what the world lacked, the world would be perfect. There's plenty of advice for how you you, you can clean up your act and be more like me, right? My God, it's everywhere. It's deafening. No, that is not what Jesus is doing here. He he is assuring human beings through the care and the time that he's already invested into them, that they are already a real part of his life, that they belong to him and he to them. These disciples know already that he loves them. Now let's move forward together. This washing begins with belonging. It has to. If it doesn't, it's what psychologists call condition conformity. Like when you conform, when you meet that condition, then you're in. And and that doesn't feel like love for one very important reason. It is not. And we all know what that feels like on the other end of that condition. Right? The disciples, think about this, they had to give Jesus permission to wash their feet. And they did so because they knew they belonged. And in that belonging, because of that belonging, they believed they were loved. And so they were willing to be washed, to be cleansed, to take this step into becoming. It's beautiful. It's unbelievable. This is what God is like. Second thing I want to point out about this fruit of love is that it's washing feet. It's washing feet. It's not about attraction. It's about action. There is a kind of love, or a thing that we call love often, that really is just hunger. That's what it is. And a hungry heart says, I love you. But what it really means is, you make me feel good about myself. Uh, You fill me up. Or me getting to do this for you is something that makes me feel good about me. This is love based on attraction. It's love based on what we can get out of the relationship. But God's love doesn't come from a hungry heart, it comes from a full heart. So here's the question. When we ask ourselves, what exactly is he demonstrating about love? We finally get to this question is, how do we get a full heart like Jesus? How do we do that? And this is what both ancient wisdom is telling us in the Bible and in Jesus, and now modern science is backing up over and over again, and study after study, that we now get that the way that our hearts become full is through loving action. And this is so counterintuitive. I know it. I've, I've given talks about this in the past before that we we have misunderstood the shape of our souls. They're hoses. They're not bowls. The fact that it rhymes is just cute. Okay, but we think our we think we're bowls that have to be patched up and 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 spruced up so that we can hold all of this love. And then when we get filled, the first drop. Out goes to other people, but that is not the shape of our souls. The shape of our souls—we are hoses. First drop in, first drop out, and that's when hoses are happy, when they're they're conduits of grace. So it's not about attraction; it's about action. It's about serving people in spite of their attractiveness or what they can do for us or how that relationship could benefit us. It's moving from attraction or hungry love to action in giving love from a full from a heart that's bursting with water pressure, if you will. And when we do that, when we act that way, when we live that way, that's what fills our hearts with love. Social psychologists they have a name for this. They call it situation crafting. Situation crafting. It's love and action fills our hearts because By putting love into action, we become participants in our own transformation. It's it's incredible. It's amazing. We act out love first, and then the feelings follow along with our transformation. My friend Susan used to tell me, Mike, we love our way into loving," And I know that's what she meant. We love, through action, our way into loving, into feeling love. Attraction, feelings, follow our love into action. It's not the other way around. In tonight's On the Road, CBS's
2: Steve Harbin has the story that expands the definition of being a good neighbor. It means to be family. Days don't come much worse than this. Is it your husband? Yes. In January of 2020, LeVar's husband of 58 years died in their home. And when the Glendale, Arizona police entered the building, they found such terrible, they had to condemn her house. So all in one day, you lose your husband and you're homeless. Back to what would happen next?
0: No, that was a surprise.
2: Carmen Silva happened next. She lives across the street. Barely knew those neighbors when she learned that Jean had no kids or family to turn to. I told her, don't worry, Jean, we're going to fix it. You know, it's one thing to be, but you've taken it to the extreme. I don't see that. You don't see that? I've always taught my kids to take care of their elders. Even though the Silvas live in a small three bedroom house with eight children, they made room for one more. Up their bed to sleep on the couch, eagerly welcoming their new adopted grandmother.
0: She looks very happy and
2: it's because she has a whole family now. Do you feel like you found a family?
0: Mm-hmm. Finally. Mm-hmm. It means everything. Just thinking about it.
2: There's nothing better than a loving home. ...except maybe (laughs) a non-profit called Operation Enduring Gratitude, which helps Arizona veterans and their families heard about Jean. And since Jean's husband was a Navy vet, volunteers went full speed ahead, renovating her old house. We're all joining together to do one thing. Make somebody's life whole. The house is condemned no more. And it's all hers and hers alone. But Dean plans to share it. Because that's what families do. Steve Hartman, on the road, in Glendale, Arizona.
0: Okay, I did not make that through, through that without crying. I have to admit that it's love. It. Love doesn't wait for attraction. It doesn't ask, what can I get out of this? Love acts. And then feelings follow one of the best examples of that is that so many of us have experienced and some have not is that if you were asked people with children like, who they love most they would tell you it's their child but why and children can't do anything especially at the beginning they can do anything for us there's nothing there's no hunger that's being filled by infants it's just diapers being filled and sleepless nights you know filled with no sleep and And don't forget this part, the total transformation of the parents. Everything changes, and every parent knows that. We love our way into loving, and that ushers us into becoming. By loving our children, by giving and serving and sacrificing for them, we fall in love with them. And when Jesus demonstrates the full extent of his love and invites us to go and do likewise, he is inviting us into a life Where we see, serve, and love everyone, everywhere, every day, like they belong to us. And this is why we say, as a community, upside down and crazy things like, Storyline exists for those who aren't here. That's who we're thinking about. And we believe crazy inside-out things like the sacrifice, the, the service, the love in action That it takes to cultivate a community that's not that's not just open to but actually crafted for and seeking out those who aren't here those who don't feel like they can belong well that kind of love and action transforms us this is how Jesus is loving us by inviting us to love others it's so beautiful and so brilliant this is why we say the best church for us is the church that isn't for us. I know it sounds nuts, it sounds crazy, it sounds upside down, it sounds inside out. Do you see it? What Jesus is showing us is here with the full extent of his love. Washing feet. This is what he's showing us. Hunger love waits for feeling and then it ends when the feelings end. No attraction, no action. But the fruit of love begins with belonging, it grows into believing, and it matures in becoming. Becoming the kind of person who sees that every person belongs to God and therefore deserves to be loved. Look, the entire world is built on loving the attractive, the talented, the nice, the grateful. Those who can respond in kind. And Jesus is calling that kind of love, really he's calling that kind of love into question. We have to be very careful that we're not just loving those who can reciprocate in ways that feel good to us because that often really isn't loving them. That is loving the love we are getting from loving them. Who are we ignoring when we're loving from a hungry heart? Who does the church miss or fail to think about when we show up wondering on Sunday mornings, what am I gonna get out of this? When when do I get fed? How can it change our world? How can it change the world if, if our lives were built on the fruit of love that Jesus is showing us here? Washing, and the deep relationships it takes to invite others into being washed, moving forward together, and washing feet, seeing love as action that leads to attraction and ends with transformation and not the other way around. This is the full extent of God's love. It is what Jesus is inviting us to build our life upon. Related to this full extent of love and the ways that we can somehow miss that in our life. And I know that this week, for me, and this encounter with Jesus in this chapter of John has shown me that for me, I, I think it is. The same writer who described the fruit of the Spirit in the Bible said it this way in another part of the Bible If I speak in the tongues of men, in spite of who Jesus is, in spite of what he was facing, in spite of who he was loving, God came to us, stripped down, kneeling before us, to wash our feet. Can we even dare to imagine that? That is love. And then, his invitation to go and do likewise. That completes that love. As the next chapters of John unfold, I think, I believe, I pray that we're going to see how and why billions of people for thousands of years have allowed Jesus to wash their feet and accepted his invitation to go and do likewise. May it be so for all of us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time and this place and this opportunity to to be together. Thank you for showing us what love is, where life is found, and what life is for. It's overwhelming to even try and take it all in, much less to do likewise. So I, I just pray that you would help us this week to see and to seize the opportunities to put your love in action through our lives. As we leave here this morning, help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.